Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Welcome to Dedicated with Doug Brunt. You have just gained access to an exclusive insider's look at the lives and works of some of your favorite authors and hear conversations with the world's greatest writers as they discuss their writing lifestyle, creative process, latest work, and behind-the-scenes revelations. Welcome to Dedicated. I'm your host, Doug Brunt. Today we're talking with James Patterson. Everyone on the planet knows who he is, so I'll offer just a few facts by way of introduction. From the time of his debut novel in 1976, he's gone on to publish more than 200 books, of which 114 are New York Times bestsellers, and an astounding 67 are number one bestsellers, which is a Guinness World Record. He's also been extremely philanthropic. He's a leading supporter of independent bookstores, which all writers appreciate. He's also established numerous grants and scholarships, and donated lots of money, in, in particular in support of literacy. He's now co-authored three books with Matt Eversman, Matt served 20 years as an Army Ranger. He's been awarded the Bronze Star. He led the 1993 Mogadishu raid that has become more famously known as Black Hawk Down, which inspired the movie of that name in 2001, in which Josh Hartnett played Matt. Their latest book is called Walk the Blue Line. James, welcome to the show. Thank you. Matt, I think, has been kidnapped. Uh, he actually, he's stuck on a plane. So he, he, this is the first time he's ever missed one. So I'm a little worried about him. Well, I'm, I'm sure he can take care of now, himself. Now, Matt can take care of himself, yes. Yeah. Well, it's great to have you here. And I actually, I wanted to point out one observation I had on the book jacket of, of uh, Walk the Blue Line, which I have here, about Matt, which I think reflects the modesty and sincerity of the men and women in our armed forces. His bio reads simply, Matt Eversman retired from the Army after 20 years of service. It's just if I had the Bronze Star, you couldn't know me for five minutes without learning that. I'd uh-huh. find some way to work it in. <laughs> now, that's, Matt is like that. It's really interesting. He's the nicest guy in the world, very soft-spoken, big guy. So anyway, and I'm not sure what Matt drinks. I think he drinks uh, bourbon and stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah, we we had him down for whiskey. Uh, but okay, I have a, right. a, I have a Bordeaux here. Yeah, I want to start us. the day. I, I I'm good with wine, but I like to start the day with a beer. Uh-huh. Flat Tire or Sam Smith Pale Ale or Sam Adams or, or a good old Budweiser. It doesn't matter. Those are all, all good choices. Um, so I'll just get this open. And while I open the wine, I actually have a fun story for you because a few weeks back, we had Chris Bojellian on the show. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> He's a terrific guy, and he was telling the story. So listeners are reminded Chris is the terrific author of books like The Flight Attendant and Lioness and out of college, Chris went into advertising. I was working at J. Walter Thompson, one of the most prestigious ad firms. And uh, as he was working on his debut, which came out in 1988, he said, 
There was one other guy at Jay Walter publishing books back then who was kind enough to blurb it. And uh, James, I have a first printing of A Killing of in the Real book. World by Chris Jane. <laughs> and if you look at the back here, there's a, a very nice blurb from James Patterson, author of Black Market. So this is back in when uh-huh. you were uh, yeah, still yeah, working yeah. day yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, Chris did great. The weird thing was that, you know, in those days, he was a suit. He was an account mm-hmm. guy. He wasn't even in creative. He wasn't a writer or anything. So uh, he, the account uh, management uh, stuff. I, yeah. yeah, I was surprised. You know, you, well, you read it, and I read it, and I said, wow, this you're good. <laughs> this is a, <laughs> what, what are you doing with this suit? And soon after that, he was, I, I forget, he's up in Vermont or New Hampshire, somewhere up in a cold right, part of Vermont. the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, cheers. I've got the uh, the wine here. Cheers. It's great to meet you. Yeah, thank um, you. Thank you. And so in those early days, so 88 is when Bojellian's book came out. You were working the day job. So if I have the dates right, your debut was 76, and you didn't leave the ad world until 96. So were there years yeah. in there where you were thinking this, this book writing thing might not work out? Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't working out. Uh, you know, the first book was turned down by 31 publishers. Uh, I then went on to win an Edgar, which is tells you a lot about something. I'm not sure what. Uh, uh, for years, I would get uh, from some of the editors who rejected me, I, they'd send other authors for blurbs. And I'd kind of laugh and go, uh, but actually, I would blurb them, but uh, it was kind of funny. But, but you know, anybody out there who get, get rejected, it happens, man. And, and more than ever right now, because there, there's so few publishing houses. Yeah. Well, I guess that, that last merger of uh, Simon and Penguin didn't go through, but we're sort of down to right. the big five. Some people thought that would have been a big disaster. I don't think it would have changed much, to be honest with you. I mean, you can go in in the in that whole Penguin Random House, you could go and make 10 submissions there right now. Yeah, there's so many, so many imprints there. Yeah. In your early days there, before you left the ad business in 96, were you, were yeah. you writing on, you had a big post there. So I guess it was a, it was a bigger decision to leave that behind. A lot of it is just confidence. I mean, uh, you know, I didn't really hit it uh, in terms of being able to support myself with the writing till I was probably forty or so, and then and then with Alice Cross books, it it all broke yeah. open. I was um, I'm an autobiography, which is <laughs> I always make the joke about it, but it's true. Who the hell who would want to read a book about James Patterson? But it actually is a pretty cool autobiography because it's just story after story after story, and at one point. I had a house in the, down the Jersey Shore, and it was a Sunday, and I had to go into Thompson. And I'm like, I can't believe I have to do this, you know? And uh, so I'm on it, and I'm traveling like five miles an hour, again, you know, with the traffic going back toward New York. And on the other side of the, of the Jersey Turnpike or the Garden State, one of the two, these cars are coming by, and it's like, whew, a car goes by car goes by <laughs> and about like, an hour in that this, yeah. it, it dawns on me. And this is life changing kind of thing that my life is going in the wrong direction. I needed to get on the other side of the road. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got out of Thompson right around then. And within a few months, I dumped that job, which was, you know, I was making a fair amount of money. And I just said, I'm, I'm just going to write books. I, I, went, I need to get on the other side of the road. Yeah. I've made that drive. When you're in the wrong side of the commuting traffic, it is it is kind of brutal. Oh, it and it's like Sunday afternoon. And the last thing I wanted to do was be, go in and talk about advertising. It's a sunny yeah. day. I was like, you know, anyway, yeah. but here we are. <laughs> I well, made I, it. I also have a, uh, a first edition of your Along Came a Spider here, which uh, 
is blurbed by the great Nelson DeMille and Clive Cussler on the back as well. So this was 93. This one came out. Uh-huh. So this, uh-huh. This yeah, the first yeah, yeah. Now, that novel, was the right? one that, yeah, that, that, that broke it all open. Along yeah. came a spider and kiss the girls right after that. Well, that's great. So let's get on to, uh, to you and, and Matt and your collaboration. This yeah. is the third book you guys I'll have done. I'll play the part of Matt too. <laughs> that would be a neat yeah. trick. I read somewhere that you were introduced and met in a bar. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> How did that first um, meeting go down? A friend of mine, uh, 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 Tim Malloy, uh, we did the um, Filthy Rich, the, the Epstein book together. Mm-hmm. And um, we were thinking about another, what, what a, a, a follow. Actually, we had done a, a movie together, too, a, a, a short that ran on uh, PBS and stuff, Murder of a Small Town. And we were thinking about doing another one. And that's when we came up with the uh, w- with the idea to do Epstein. We actually were going to do it as a as a uh, short film at first. And then I said, no, I, you know, because I didn't the story really hadn't wasn't spread around the country. People didn't know about Epstein that much. I didn't know about him. But Tim had covered him down in Florida as a journalist. And I went, this is insane. This this guy is a billionaire and he's had these hundreds of young girls. And there's all these police interviews with the young girls. And I said, why isn't this story out there? So I wrote the book. This is um, you know, back in 2016. And it was all there. Everything was in the book. And in fact, the, the interviews with the young girls had never been published. And I went you know, personally to Fox and I went to CNN and I went to CSNBC and nobody wanted to do the story. They, what's the big what's the big deal? Wall Street Journal did it. And the. Uh, Miami Herald. And I'm like, what's the story? I mean, insane. The story is, is the, the guy gets 11 months. Uh, you know, anybody else, they would have thrown away the key, you know? And, uh, and then a couple of years later, all of a sudden the story breaks uh, big. At any rate, so I um, uh, uh, met uh, Matt through Tim and we were out drinking and uh, Matt and Tim were doing a, a small movie in Afghanistan, just about how health, uh, 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 Dr. Kerr over there had changed dramatically from when Matt had been over uh, in the war zone. Um, and uh, I saw Matt do some interviews. And I went, this guy is a great interviewer. He's so down to earth and people trust him and he knows his business. And, and that's why I had this idea of walking my combat boots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and literally that was the concept and that wound up being the title. And I said, you know, people, and, and Matt knows this, people don't really understand the military. And our mission, and it goes over to, to Walk the Blue Line, our mission with Walk the Blue Line was if you ha- if you are a police, and, and we write about detectives, we write about beat cops, we write about mm-hmm. FBI, DEA, et cetera. We cover pretty much the whole spectrum of, of police. But if you've been there, you'll say that Everson and Patterson got it right. Mm-hmm. And if you're one of these people that thinks you understand and every time something comes up, you think you know what you're thinking, you, th- you think you've you got the truth in your head. You don't. And if you read this book, and that's what I love about these the books that Matt and I have done, like ER Nurses, you think you understand. You don't have a clue. I mean, people think they understand cops. They see all these cop shows on television yeah. and blah. No, I write out, you know, Alice Cross, uh, Woman's Murder Club, that doesn't have a lot to do. I mean, there's... There's a sense of the danger in those books, but it's not it's not it's not real. You read this book and you really understand. And we didn't set out to do this, but there's more action in this book than there is in five Alex Cross books. I mean, it's just like, you know, it really I don't know if you've read it, but it really moves. 
Yeah. So, so listeners know the three books are, are similar in the sense that you walk a mile is the, is the concept in, in the shoes of someone else. And in, in our yes. increasingly partisan days where there's more otherism, it's a great concept and a, and a really important book to allow people to get into an unfamiliar perspective and to yeah. get to know someone. And it completely disintermediates all the other stuff. It disintermediates the media and all these middlemen. Yeah. And you get to hear directly from these communities, whether it's right. uh, the combat veterans, ER nurses, or which are the first two books, and then in the third book, law enforcement. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask you about that because- no, I, 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 I mean, I agree with you. I think it's incredibly important that people, and it's not just to sell books, but it, there's so much misinformation out there. We just had, you know, today another uh, a cop killed in Chicago. And, and we just need to balance that thing. I mean, we're not, we don't, this is not pro-cop, the book. It's not anti-cop. It's just, there they are. You can make your own judgments. Yeah. And there's some yeah. cowboys in the book where you go like, you know, these, these, there's a couple of deranged characters in the book too. But you understand, the thing you understand the most, I think, is just how incredibly dangerous it is. And that we have to stop saying, well, it's their job. No. Yeah. If it is their job, then we should really respect it. You know, we've come a long ways with the military in terms of respecting. But, you know, uh, uh, when the military gets dropped into Mogadishu or uh, uh, Beirut or some dangerous hotspots, we don't blame the hotspot on the military. We just go, oh, my God, they're in there and it's a terrible situation. That's a deal for a lot of cops. They're in a situation, you know, Memphis, we didn't um, interview any any police from Memphis, but Anytime we talked to, to somebody from the South, they would bring up Memphis and said, mm -hmm. there's just a lot of problems there. Even before the Tyree Nichols news, you had been hearing things about Memphis. Yeah, having some yeah that is, yeah. there's just, a, it's a, it's a, and parts of the city are really dangerous. And this, you know, one of these things, you know, the car racing thing, uh, which is a problem. And apparently it's a problem in a lot of Southern cities. It just popped up again with the, the kid who played for, uh, uh, for Georgia. Uh, who was in that car racing thing and, and the two people got killed. Uh, but but it's just, it's so dangerous and people need to understand that. And then we can have a dialogue. Then we can move things forward. You know, the cops need to listen to the neighborhoods and the neighborhoods need to listen to the cops. It does seem that communities, to your point about how things were with the military in years past, and we've come a long way. Do you think today yeah. that people have unrealistic expectation of police? And, and if so, yes. what role do you think media has played in in sort of exacerbating a, a, a deteriorating relationship between the police and the communities they serve. It should not be, it should not be, this should not be a political thing. This it, it's, it's, we just, we, if we, if you understand it, you realize it isn't political, you know, can there be improvements? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things it's still too uh, guided by old time military, it's too macho and, and, and those things need to change. And, and and no, you, you you can't go out there and be a vigilante, which is is kind of what happened in in Memphis. No, and and you know, and the military doesn't put up with that stuff, and and, and the police shouldn't either. There should not be there shouldn't be a, a blue shield for, for for that kind of activity. Um, but we also need to understand how tough it is and and get on the side of people. Yeah. And and this notion that well, it's your job to, for somebody to spit in your face. No, it isn't. I wouldn't put up. You wouldn't put up with it. And, 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 and most people wouldn't put up why teachers, we're going to do mm -hmm. teachers probably next. And, and, you know, it's, it's a, a terrible things happening to teachers these days in terms yeah. of they're being controlled on a, by the right. They're being controlled by the left. They're being controlled by the school boards. The kids are, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the kids are, 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 are out of, uh, 
uh, out of control. So it's it's very hard. But we need it, to it understand. Hard we cops. understand yeah. how hard these things are. Well, there's no question there are some bad cops. I mean, we saw that with the yeah, for sure. case. And but there are also, on average, in this country, 60 million police interactions every year. Yeah, that go that are successful, and there are a ton of yeah. good cops out there putting it on the line every day. Yeah, and but the, and the stories that are in your book, those are not the stories the media wants to talk about. Those aren't the ones that are sensational and incendiary. They want to fo- focus on the, the ones where the cops are behaving badly. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, they they the only time they want to talk to the cops is is when there's when there's a big problem, when when you know when, when something has really gone wrong. I mean, the 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 policeman who's just killed in Chicago. We won't see a lot of stories on that. Uh, um, we don't we don't hear about their families and the kids and heroic photographs. And and that should be part of the dialogue. That should be reported on just just like. Uh, when 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 somebody's killed in, you know with with a cop out of control, and um, you know I mean one of the things about this book, as I said, it's just story after it's just so people understand. Um, we did oh I think seven thousand pages of interviews. Matt did most of the interviews, and then we would turn them into these five to seven page stories. So and that's why the book clips along. It would be really boring yeah. if it was just. It's a really fast paced book. It's terrific. Yeah. And the but but what the way that cops talk about things is is you really it, it, they put you in the scene, which is something I always try to do with my writing. And there was one scene there where um, um, people in the neighborhood were going, "Well, you don't care about us, you don't care." And the cop said, "If I didn't care, why would I be out here in the freezing rain at four in the morning?" You know. And whatever happened, I mean, one of the things, and Matt noticed this a lot, Matt Eversman, that, you know, when you're deployed, you know, you're getting rest time. You're not, it's not like you're out there in, in, in combat all, all, you know, for week after week. It's, for the most part, it doesn't happen. But with the police, every day, man, they're out there. They got it. And you don't know. Yeah. You're going to, you know, to some domestic violence thing. You don't know what's going to happen when you knock on that door. Uh, you have to stop some speed or you don't know what's going to happen when you go out to that car. So it's, it's just it's so dangerous. Terrifying. It's yeah. just, you know, you don't know whether you're going to come home every day. You, you, you leave the house, your, your family doesn't know, which makes it very tough on people. But we need, if we understood uh, and if the neighborhoods understood better, um, we, we would make some progress. Well, that's what it, I, still, I, some bad know. things that still happen. There's so many guns in this country. The bad yeah. things are going to happen. So as long yeah. as. Uh, the cops are armed and the citizens and the citizens are armed. This is not a good situation. Well, it is true. The book's a terrific way for people to have a platform or the, for the cops to have a platform to connect with people directly and share their stories. There's an interesting yeah. article and it's Skeptic Magazine ran this poll. And you, you'd be interested to hear this because it, it speaks directly to some of this and the sort of misinformation about what it's like to be a cop and some of the some of the facts behind it. So they had this poll and they had everyone in the poll identify themselves on the scale of very liberal to very conservative. Yeah. And they asked everyone in the poll for the year 2019, what do you think is the number of unarmed black men killed by police? And the true number, according to the Washington Post, is, is 13. Of those in the poll who identified themselves as either liberal or very liberal, they thought the number was between 1,000 and 10,000. Orders of magnitude off the facts. Yeah. And yeah, that is yeah. a failing of the media, not only yeah. to get the facts out there, but they're they're at odds with the facts. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's you deal with the tragedies and that's absolutely fine. And it should happen. 
uh, but 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 context context just does it. There's people don't want context anymore, which is mm-hmm. which is insane. And you're allowed to lie about stuff. Uh, and one of the things about the book is, uh, you know, I, it's pretty much the truth. There it is. You know, most of these, they're not there trying to make themselves look good. They, uh, invariably, w- w- when you do the interviews, they go, why do you want to talk t- to me? I, I haven't really le- had led that interesting a life. Mm-hmm. And then um, they tell one story and you're like, oh, my God, that's totally interesting. Yeah. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, and it varies from some of them. There are some that are that are kind of heartwarming or whatever. I mean, there's one uh, uh a uh, guy in who's in, in, in Swakir a lot, and he would always go to this coffee shop. And the barista, whenever he would come in, the baristas would come out and give him a hug. So you have some of that stuff, and and that's reasonable at times. It, it, and there should be more of that. I mean, one of the things you'll find, because this book goes all across the country, uh, uh, sometimes you know, in in areas of big cities or neighborhoods or in small towns, there's a good relationship between the cops and the local people, mm-hmm. and and that's in general, the way it ought to be. Um, um, and there are, I mean, there, there was one uh, guy and he had tried to counsel this addict. This, I think it was out in California. And she wasn't having any any of it and whatever, but he, he really felt bad because he thought she had some potential. And a few years later, he r- ran into her and she said, you turned me around. You may not have known it because I was a jerk at the time, but it really did. And, and I want to invite you to my college graduation. So he went to her, co- yeah, which is, which is great. And on the other hand, you get these, you know, insane horror stories that this one woman is relatively new detective and she goes out on this drug call. I think it was broad daylight. And um, uh, she sees her some activity at the garage. She goes back to the garage and these two guys come out and start shooting at her. She winds up killing both of the guys and she gets shot 10 times. And she's on the job for like a few, a few weeks as a detective anyway. And so some of the stories, it just, I mean, they just blow your mind in terms of, of, of what happens up there. But the point you make about the, the number of, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, and I, I, I hate you. You have to be careful when you bring things like that up because people think that you're, you're just doing one of these unabashed pro cop things, which, which we're not trying to do, but, mm-hmm. but there's reality, you know, 13, uh, uh, black killed by by police and yeah and well, then there's certainly problems I and mean, we see that in in memphis whereas a group you know that that the the group attack there just it speaks to something systemic and cultural that needs to be fixed i mean there there, there are certainly are problems um but i just i i sometimes i look at how the media handles all this and and feel really dismayed well, it's, you know, there'll be a story and every every network has the same visuals and just telling the same thing. And questions that you'd like to have answered don't get answered. Just obvious things. They'll run a story for a couple of weeks and you're going like, is anybody like digging in and, you know, like Memphis? Tell us about the city. What's going on there? You know, you just keep seeing the same stuff, the same footage over and over again. And we got it. That was a that was a really bad thing. It was a terrible. It was a tragedy. Uh, and, and for whatever reasons, those guys were, you know, I don't know, well, five of them, but at least some of them were totally out of control. Uh, but what, tell me more, what's going on in Memphis? What, you know, what, where, where, where are the reporters? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. What's been feedback, uh, on the book, either from law enforcement community or the media or, or wherever? Well, you know, from law enforcement, it's been great because I think even a lot of, they go, well, we know the job, but suddenly they read it and they go, you know what, man? I'm feeling so many. I, I, I'm identifying this with so much. So the so the feedback from from uh, law officers has been spectacular. 
They'll just write it. And, and, and families. And a lot of times, I mean, there's a similarity to the military and the cops in the sense that they don't necessarily want to go home and talk about the job. Um, so a lot of times the families don't really know. I, I don't really know what my father does. I don't know what my husband does exactly. Right. So it's useful yeah. for families to read this and go, okay, I understand better than I did before. And then, I mean, one of the the unfortunate things here is I, you know, not unexpectedly, you know, I, I had no trouble getting on Fox, which is which is great. Um, but I couldn't get on CNN or MSNBC. I finally, uh, um, um, uh, Jake uh, Tapper had me on. And Jake's, you know, he's pretty even, you know, and, and he, he gets it. I mean, he gets that it's uh, that, 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 that something needs to be balanced. But but they think it's a political thing. And right. uh, I've noticed on um, on uh, or sorry, my, uh, the, the publisher noticed on Amazon, most of the reviews are great. But all of a sudden, I see the thing, it's slipping down to four stars. And what's happened is a bunch of people are going on there who haven't read the book. And they just put one one star down because it's, you know, um, it's just once again, it just goes to this whole political thing, and and people just don't want to. They they're anchored to this idea, and 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 they don't want to give it up, and they don't want to hear. Well, it's interesting, you know, have, it, their minds aren't open at all. It it reminds me a little bit of what happened with Live PD on A and E, which similar to your book is just showing cop stories. It's not really pro cop. It's not anti cop. It's just showing yeah. cop with no filter, really. And yeah. A and E canceled the show in the in the height of. Uh, of some of these these uh, media stories where it just seemed like anything associated with cop, like we just don't want to put it on the screen. We don't want to talk about yeah. it because it just seems yeah. kind of uh, third rail-ish. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, we're filming Alice Cross now for Amazon, and even there, uh, once again, there's this, this they're, they're trying to make Alex a lot more wounded than he should be. <laughs> Uh, uh, and, and I think it's going to be a really interesting show, but um, they're they're so overly sensitive and and not necessarily in, in a good way about 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 the job of and, and you know Alex is he is a good cop, he's mm -hmm. a good family person and whatever, but uh, it, it's even there it's it's uh, it's their problems. They, they, they want to make them a little more accessible or a little more flawed or how do you mean? A lot more flawed. <laughs> a lot more flawed. Yeah. Because he's a cop. You know, so the next one's on teachers. Have you started the interviews there? Yes. Well, actually, the next one, it's going to be a smaller book, but it's a fun one. It's uh, uh, it's booksellers and librarians. <laughs> and uh, uh, I put a title on it and I think it'll be fun and, and it will have a nice bold illustration. It's uh, the secret lives of, uh, of, of booksellers and librarians, just how we have some fun with it. And, and that's, I think, the, the, the cool thing about they're, 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 they are a lot more fun than people would expect that they, that they would be. Uh, librarians tend to be very smart and hilarious, uh, which people, you know, they, they just don't, they don't figure that's what, what it's, you know. So that's, once again, just uh, uh, changing the perception that people have. And then we'll do teachers. But, but we are doing it, teacher okay. interviews already, yeah. Okay, oh, and you and Matt, you sort of share the interview load. You, I guess, it sounds like yeah. it's seven thousand. No, he does most of the Cops interviews. Then. I do some, but he does most. And and then we'll we'll turn. And the key in terms of making this work is the decision to go from interviews to these five or six, seven page 
mm-hmm. stories, which are little, very little readable. Yeah. Uh, and it just, you just keep going. And I, I read it again just before we started touring. And I was like, damn it, this thing really, it's got incredible pace. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. I mean, you write a book, you want people to read it. You know, you want people to finish it. And a lot of nonfiction um, doesn't have much pace. Some does, but a lot of it doesn't. I mean, you'll read the first chapter, you go, oh, this is good. And then the second chapter, 40 years earlier in a small town, Harold's grandmother and grandfather, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. whoa, mm-hmm. Uh, they're not stories. And But we try to, you know, storytelling, I mean, that's what I do anyway. My, my strength and my weakness is, I pretend there's one person sitting across from me. I don't want them to get up until I'm finished. And that's the strength. It's also the weakness because sometimes I don't dig as deep as I should. Yeah. Well, these books are terrific. For, for listeners out there now, it, it allows you, you know, pick your community. Do you want ER nurses, cops, teachers? Uh, it allows teachers, you Teachers, not to, yet, but uh, yeah. <laughs> soon, soon, soon to be. It'll, it allows you to walk in their shoes and really get to know this community in a raw and real way. And they're, they're just yeah. great, great books. It's just important that we understand this better. Uh, it's, it's, you know, how can we make intelligent decisions if we don't really understand how can people in Congress make decisions and the media? I mean, you know, I, I mentioned, and I've been on a, a lot of ride alongs and Matt doesn't need to call ride alongs, but we did one for, uh, during the book. And uh, apropos of something you said earlier in that County, that the previous year there had been nearly a million calls for help in that one county. So the volume is unbelievable. And um, the uh, the sheriff who was driving us around, he said they had, I don't know what they call it, but where you can go in where they will train policemen in terms where you have to make decisions in a couple of seconds in terms of whether you pull your gun, don't shoot somebody, whatever it is. And anybody that went through that went, okay, I get this now. I understand how difficult that is when you have to pull your weapon and you don't know whether, and it's your life that's on the other end of this thing. And that's something everybody in the media, anybody you want to write about this stuff, you you should go through that. So you understand a little bit more. And several of your stories capture that exact emotion. You know, someone is just out of training, they're young, they're in pursuit of someone and they're thinking, all right, do I pull my gun? I could get shot. If I go around this corner, I could die. You know, I'd like to see my wife. That's what happened in Chicago yesterday. Uh, the guy was chasing somebody and the guy t- it got fairly close and the guy turned and and fired several shots, killed him. Well, I, uh, I'm glad you're out there doing this and I'm looking forward to the book on teachers and librarians. And I, and I okay. as a separate <laughs> matter, love what you're doing for the independents. I just think the independent bookstores, I think that's that's uh, really. Yeah. Terrific. Well, my mother, my mother was a teacher and she also worked in an independent bookstore. So uh, yeah. uh, she was a good teacher for me. Oh, it's so close to home for you. Well, James, at the end of the show, I have a couple of quick, fun questions sort of referred to as the lightning round of of easy ones. Uh, First one is books you're reading now. The one I'm reading now, actually, it's it's from way back. And I'd read it. I'm rereading it. Slow Motion Riot, Peter Blauner. Peter, um, he writes a lot for uh, for TV, um, Law and Order, stuff like that. He's a really, really, really fine writer. And um, I was thinking, actually, it'd be kind of cool to you know, 30 or 40 books that I've uh, along the way found that, that are just great uh, and, and just re, re, republish them, you know, like this slow motion riot. It's, it's really, really good. He's, he's just such a good writer. 
Oh, that's and, great. Uh, I, you know, there are a handful like that for me. I, I read The Sun Also Rises every five years or so and come back uh-huh. to that, but I, I should add to that list of things yeah. I keep going No, I have to. my uh, around here, like a fan's notes. I don't know if you ever ran into that, Frederick, actually. Certain mm-hmm. ones that, you know, I, but I the whole upper shelf, well, you can't really see, but uh, that's all my, like Mr. Bridge and Mrs. Bridge, Evan Connell Jr., uh, two of my a- absolute favorites. But they really got me going as a writer, uh, short chapters, very well, very witty. We're weirdly about this family in Kansas City. And it's there were two books, one from the mother's point of view, one from the father's point. Same, same lifetime, same life. Uh, uh, just, you know, really, really uh, great stuff. Uh, I got a Gore Vidal up there. I don't know. Yeah, lots. Next question. Favorite few recent TV shows that you would recommend to listeners? Well, I'm addicted to um, the guy who wrote Yellowstone and um, uh, um, Sicario and uh, that's, you know, and so I've that whole thing, 1823 and 1887 and 1923. So all of those, I think he's a really um, deranged, uh, wonderful writer. So anything he does, uh, the mayor of Kingston. um, So there's that stuff. Um, What's the, um, there's one on Apple now, um, uh, Shrinking, is it Shrinking? With the Harrison Ford and uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty good one. There's a few. I'll check it out. Thank you. All right. So this next question, there there are two more questions. The next one, every big star on the show has a, has a doozy answer for this one when they're starting out. Fewest ever people to attend one of your book events. Oh, <laughs> well, I actually I was trying to do a favor to. Well, OK, I have two. Actually, the first one was uh, it was it was my first book and it was at the World Trade Center. There was used to be a borders in the basement there. And I went and they had about 100 books behind me. And I went with my girlfriend at the time and nobody came. And I had my girlfriend sit across from me. I would fake signing her book for you know a half an hour and then i finally said i have to leave now i can't i can only take so much more of this uh uh so that was uh, the other one was with my friend peter de young and uh it was his book and i went with him because i figured it would help maybe and this is a barnes and noble i think downtown manhattan and there were two people showed up but they didn't really show up to to listen to us it's just that there was some seating there so they just sat down there and started reading other people's books. So that was a bad, those two were bad ones that I remember. All right. So for all the listeners out there who are struggling young writers, you heard it here. Yeah. The number one selling author in the history of the world has had yeah. a zero. So I will tell despair. you the autobiography. If you're somebody that likes stories about how people become writers and whatever the hell, and it's just full of all these incredible, like I'm a college kid, desperately want to be a writer and I'm I, I'm I'm up in the Cape. Uh, I, I, my family had moved to Massachusetts, and I'm I'm up around uh, Ipswich. I pull in for some clams, and who's sitting there with John Updike? And I don't have the nerve to walk up to him. Uh, and I just read it, one of the Updike books, and uh, I just sat there watching him eat clams and and drink his iced tea until he was done and then left and, you know, but it's all stories like that, just story after story. You know? I'm going to, I'm going to, but you really tonight. get the feeling for, you know, what it's like. And, uh, you know, my first book, uh, I might've mentioned this before, but it's turned down by 30 publishers, 31 publishers. And that's the same manuscript that went on to win the Edgar. That same manuscript, that's the one that won the Edgar. That's amazing. Yeah. 
I'm picking up your, your, it didn't seem too amazing at the time, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) so final question, and you've kind of been giving this as we've been talking the whole time, but I've turned your lightning round into a a very slow moving uh, wagon train. Yeah. It's great. I'm taking it all in. This is, this is great stuff. Last question is one piece of good advice for the listeners. For the listeners, uh, you know, open your minds up. Uh, you know, we, we get stuck. We all do. I, uh, I, I don't know where this came from, but I, I, I really um, uh, love it. Um, um, I, I read it recently, and I've been living by it a bit. Uh, my time here is short. Uh, what can I do most beautifully? I love that. I love and that. whether you're yeah, 20 years old or, or my age... Uh, it's, uh, you know, my time here is short, which people don't realize when they're in their 20s. My time here is short. What can I do most beautifully? I love that. Great. That's great. Well, thank you. James, thank what you a welcome. pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. I, I really thank enjoyed you. speaking with you. Yep. If you enjoyed this podcast, please download, rate, subscribe, write a comment. Let me know the authors you want to hear from. I read all the comments. Thank you. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.